This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. A uh, big problem with divorce is that no one really knows it, what it feels like until you go through it. It's a lot like a death. I tell my clients, you know, it is like a death, only the person is actually alive and you have to see them every day and you maybe have to co-parent with them the rest of your life. You actually go through the stages of, you know, of death and grieving and anger and all of those things. And you have to be with this person and get along with them, breathe in the same space, only you are literally grieving the life that you thought you were going to have. I'm Doug Bobes personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, where we help you transform into the best version of yourself through adversity. And today is a very special guest and one that's actually kind of close to home for me because I don't know if, if many of you know, I actually come from a divorced family. My, my parents got divorced when I was five and it actually had a sincere impact on my childhood, my growth, my teenage years. So I'm super excited to bring today to the show Jennifer Hurwitz. She's a business coach. She's the host of the highly acclaimed Doing Divorce Right podcast. She's a best-selling author of two books, One Happy Divorce and Coulda, Shoulda, Woulda. She's been featured on Oprah, and Oprah touts her as an expert you know, on co-parenting, on divorce, and, and has recommended her books to the readers. And so I think you'll really enjoy getting a different perspective on divorce that she shares, because after reading her books and, and doing some more research on her, I realized that like her spin on things is totally like different than what you might think. It's non-traditional. So, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super oh, excited to chat with you. I'm excited too. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You're a rock star. You're a rock star. I've been I've been stalking you a little bit. So I'm <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> so let me. I want to jump right in, right? So like I know divorce, right? It's a lot more common today oh. than it was, say, 30 years ago, right? I think the divorce rates now are well over 50%. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people growing up in broken homes. The average marriage, I think, lasts six or seven years if you're lucky. I know when you go through divorce, just based on people that I know, it's a lot of adversity, right? So like, I know you have written a book on kind of like a, a reflective piece of going through the divorce, like things you would have done differently. So what I want to ask you is, how did you handle the divorce when you were going through it? Like what kind of things did you do versus now? How would you have handled the divorce knowing what you know now? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I wrote two books and it's really funny that you asked because my first book um, is One Happy Divorce, Hold the Bullshit. And that one I wrote like really quickly after my divorce um, when I was separated and it was cathartic for me. It was, you know, more of more of like kind of more sad and a little bit, I was in a kind of a yuck 
okay, I was in a shitty place. I was in a really shitty place. And I wrote it more for, for me. And it was for my readers to say, look, at this is what divorce really, really looks like through the eyes of a, of a divorced person, right? And I think that the problem, a uh, big problem with divorce is that no one really knows it, what it feels like until you go through it. It's a lot like a death. I tell my clients, you know, it is like a death, only the person is actually alive and you have to see them every day and you maybe have to co-parent with them the rest of your life. You actually go through the stages of, you know, of death and grieving and anger and all those things. And you have to be with this person and get along with them, breathe in the same space, only you are literally grieving the life that you thought you were going to have, right? It's, it's awful. It's, it's, it's horrific. So um, that was my first book. And then the second book I wrote is What a Coulda Shoulda, A Divorce Coach's Guide to Staying Married. And that one I wrote basically for everybody else. I wrote that for everybody who needs to see what divorce looks like through the lens of, um, you know, a divorce person and a divorce coach. And I was writing it for everybody to say, look it, you guys need to step up and do divorce people a favor and help us through it because you have, y'all have no idea. Right. And I also wrote it to say, look, I'm not staying, saying to stay in a horrible, never stay in a marriage that is, you know, physically or emotionally abusive. But if there's like a glimmer of hope, do the work and stay there and maybe stay a little bit longer. I, I think, I feel like I jumped maybe a little bit too soon. If I would have known then what I know now, I may not have gotten divorced. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's really sucks. And the divorce grass is not greener. I think a lot of, I think a lot of what I thought before I got divorced was that, you know what, I wasn't having any sex in my marriage. My, you know, my heart wasn't fluttering anymore. I really felt like it was going to be better. And really, what I realized really quickly afterwards was, shit, what did I do? You know, it's not better. It sucks. Divorce absolutely sucks for everybody involved. Everybody. The kids, me. And look, it, I mean, it's sad. I always get really emotional when I talk about it. But um, do I regret getting divorced? You know, like, I don't regret leaving my, you know, my ex and I, we're, we're best friends. I'm lucky. I'm super lucky. I call him my husband. My, my husband, Mark and I, we are really good friends. And that doesn't happen. It very rarely happens where you have an amicable divorce. No, no is this, did, did this take time to build up to being really yes. good friends? Okay. Yes, of course. Well, you know what? I looked at him when we got, when we were deciding to get divorced. And in North Carolina, you have to be separated for a full year. Right. So I looked at him and I said, look, we have one choice. You're either stuck with me the rest of your life or we're doing this the right way which is where I got my podcast, Doing Divorce Right. I said, we're going to do this the right way. We're not going to be assholes. And we're going to do this. We're going to put the kids first, which is really important to me. We're going to put our kids first and we're going to put our egos at the door. And he goes, okay. And that was just how we set it up. And it was hard. It was really hard. It takes work. But so does being married. Being happily married takes work. And so does being happily divorced, right? So you got to put the work in either way. You know about that, right? Putting work in to get successful, whatever you're doing. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think people, you know, they they think when they're in this relationship, they and a lot of people, for instance, I think there's there's two sides to that, right? Like, so I see obviously I see your point, and I agree with you that like sometimes like people think the grass is always greener. I'm gonna get divorced. Life's gonna be good. I'm gonna find someone new, but they forget about the flip side that comes with that. You know, this the self hate, the shame, the grief, having that like asterisk next to your name, right? I mean. As much as like, I think it's super important and powerful to own your shit, right? Like, you know what? I got myself Absolutely. here to own it. Oh my God, you should, there's, yes. There's still like that label, right? And then also, I think a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, they think getting married is going to solve their relationship problems, right? So I think you see a lot of people, 
They are in, they're in a relationship with someone they shouldn't be in a relationship right. with. They don't have common values. They don't have common visions for the future. Yep. And they end up maybe having sex too soon or they end up just, they're lonely, desperate. Well, that's, what I, that was my, that's my TED Talk, actually. You just, you just hit my TED Talk. I have a TED Talk in April and that's what I'm talking about. Actually, your generation, you're a millennial, right? You guys, yeah. you guys are doing a good job. You guys have got it right. My TED Talk is all about how millennials are doing it right. You guys are waiting to get married. You're, getting, you're like actually waiting longer than any other generation and your divorce rate is lower. Well, I think, yeah. And I, well, I think also though, yeah. You're getting, smart. You're getting smart. Well, <laughs> some would call it smart, but I think others would call it maybe stubborn. And like the, the kid, the people yeah. now in my generation, we're so focused on like other things. There's so many other yeah, distractions yeah, and, like, and, and bouncing around from the next thing. And I think we also have maybe seen a lot of yes. people have gone through divorce. Yes, you've seen your parents do and you're like, I'm not like, doing I don't that. Want that. I don't want that. Right, right. And I know for me, I think it's important in a relationship and I'll say this to the day I die, to connect to somebody emotionally, mentally, and spiritually way before you have sex with them because, and I say this, right? I'm not saying that like sex- I'm like, my whole, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm like a proud mama right now. <laughs> well, and here's the reason I say this, right? Because, because beauty fades. Like eventually like oh. it's gonna, it's gonna, they, yeah. you're gonna start to get wrinkles here. You're gonna start to like, you know, your nose. Gonna look like, you're gonna like get a little, some rolls here. <laughs> And then like that same person's going to have like a heart attack or that same person's going to get hurt. Right. And then it's like you're, you're do or die, like ride or die. Like, is that really going to come in? And if you just have the sex that binds you like, well, shit, I'm not attracted to her physically or him physically anymore. Like, but, but if, most people leave at that point. So you're right. good. So at uh, girls out there, you've got, this is, I don't know if you have a girlfriend, but I'm just talking about, you're the kind of guy that most women, like that's what we look for. Right. But that's, you're an anomaly that doesn't happen. Because around seven years or eight years, we all go, oh, my heart doesn't flutter anymore. What's going on? The garage door opens and I don't, I don't feel that anymore. I've got to get it. And we run, right? Because what happens is, is that, that honeymoon phase, right? It, it goes away, but that's normal, right? That's, that's supposed to happen. You're supposed to turn it, it's supposed to turn it to admiration and affection and respect. And you should stay there. You shouldn't leave, but most people do, right? So you're hitting the nail on the head. Well, yeah, and I think also it's like we we try to we try to think that it's that the other person's fault, right? But like at the end of the day, like we don't put enough time and effort into ourselves and being like, right. you know, like maybe there's some work I need to do on myself, and also adding in the fact that there's this American dream, right? That you're supposed yeah. to be married, have kids by like age whatever, have a house, <laughs> all this stuff, and people try to get there without like building the foundation, right? And, right. and what happens is that it creates a lot of you know, debt in a relationship, financial debt, all these things that you got to then resentment, yeah, resentment. come out of. And, and I think like, it's just, it's just tough. And I know like, I don't know what it's like out there on the online like, dating world. Cause I have, oh, wait, wait, that's a whole other podcast on it. That's a whole <laughs> other, you're, seriously, you're doing my Ted talk for me. I feel like you should be like on stage with me right now. You're literally doing my Ted talk. It's everything you're talking about. I'm like, Oh my God. It's seriously online dating is an absolute nightmare, but people have set the, my, my clients, I do that too. Uh, my dating is my favorite thing to talk about, but people set their expectations way too high on this whole dating thing. Like they just need to chill out and have fun and relax. And like, oh my gosh, my, my clients, I can't even tell you my, I have girls walk in and they're 27, 28. They're like, I have to get married. I have to get married now. My eggs, my eggs. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, just chill girls, just chill. You know, it's just really, it's hard. 
Yeah. And I think people rush into things, right. Without even like building that rapport, that foundation. And then like the guy, just say the guy, for example, was like, he ends up with like, not, not even not into her or whatever. And then he leaves, but it's because, you know, the, the woman, a lot of times I'll just say as an example, like didn't like, I guess, respect herself enough to build a solid relationship before having sex or whatever. And then, because if that happens, the guy might've left anyway, but, but but there's a greater chance that he stays if there's a lot more of an emotional attachment that's been created between them. And so like people who, there's people who go through divorce and I've, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people go through divorce and be like, fuck my ex-husband like he's over like whatever right like i mean i've seen i've seen that sort of thing i've seen people they get their piece of paper i mean i I have a friend who went through a divorce years ago and she got her piece of paper and like she had like a you know she had a party she went out like got like yeah and and i've also seen the side obviously where people are are more are mourning it and grieving not the not the loss of their spouse but the no. loss of the, the, the life they thought they were gonna have they were gonna have and right. the commitment the vows all that stuff right that was me right what do you think people now looking back like what do you think if you were to say like to top three to five things on how to survive that point in your life i'll tell you the big i can tell you the biggest mistakes i know that and helped i'll do both the mistakes and then how to flip it you know my biggest the, the thing that i made a mistake i dated too soon like how really soon. Um, no, we have to wait like a year, right? So the separation, but you can date also if it's in your agreement. But I thought I was ready. I thought my mind is ready. I thought, you know, I was, I, I could do this. And I, you know, I was in a loveless, sexless marriage. So I was ready. I was married for 13 years. So I didn't even know who I was as an individual. So even though my body was ready, cause I was like, I got to get laid. Like, this is just like, I know I'm like, I got to have some sex. This is crazy. You know, with a new person and new whatever. And I was like, my mind was not ready. So I tell all of my clients, if they walk in my door, I'm like, look, wait a year. Find out who you are. Find out who you are as an individual, where your, your spirit is, your mind is, where your soul is. What makes you who you are? What do you like to do by yourself? What are your goals? What are your, you know, like if you have kids, what are, what are they doing? Where are they like in the, in like, I just, I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? But here's the problem. You think you know everything. So I thought I knew everything. And no matter what anyone told me, I didn't care. I didn't listen. It didn't matter. I was going to do what I was going to do. I wish I had a me. I wish I had a woulda, coulda, shoulda book to hand to me so that I would, would read something like that to help me, if that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't believe anyone because I had to go through it. Yeah. And, there's, and I think you're right because I think there's a lot of self-reflection and, and work that needs to be done on the inner side of people yeah. they're going through tough, just like in anything, whether they were recovering from a yeah. addiction, yeah. right. um, whatever it is that people, I think sometimes they rush into things because they think yes. that new thing will help get over people. the last. Yeah. And it, and in a way, obviously it will, it's just like when you're jumping into anything new, it will help, but not only as much as it of the work you've done on yourself. Right. If, if you've done no work on yourself and you're expecting right. a new relationship to heal you, right. I think you're getting into like a huge trap because absolutely, I totally agree with you. Going that same rabbit of right. losing yourself with hopes of just getting having that security of not being lonely. Absolutely, 
And, and then, also with that, I also tell people too, like you have to take accountability for what you did in your past relationships, which I know that you understand too yeah. with everything with addiction. But like I owned my shit. I remember saying to my ex-husband, my husband, I remember saying to him, I was awful to you. I was a total bitch. Like I remember yeah, saying, I did. Did you read that? Remember? I remember yeah, saying that, to him, you wish you were kinder and you wish you treated him better. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 And you know what? That, that was so helpful to me with my next relationships, even with my children, knowing that like, you know, you can't always p- place the blame on someone else. You have to own, you have to own your shit so that you can move forward and be a, a better human, right? And I think a lot of women, um, men too, they, even with cheating or infidelity, they blame the other person, right? Oh, he cheated on me. He, well, okay, there's two sides to every story. There's a reason he cheated. Cheating is not, you know, it's a, it's a symptom of a bigger thing, it's a, right? It's like, right. there's a reason he cheated. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to say it. There's a reason he cheated. Why did he cheat? What were you? What was your part in that? People are yelling right now. They're like, "She's a, she's a." But that's true, though, right? I mean, there's always a reason. So you've got to say you've got to take accountability. You have to before you can move forward. You just have to. So and that's, and that's something we like. A lot of people obviously struggle with because accountability forces you to look yourself in the mirror and say, "Okay, like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. What did I do wrong?" Again, like, oh, you know, and like that's those are some like really tough and hard questions to answer. Yeah. If you're not secure with yourself, but at the end of the day, if you don't do that work on yourself, you don't take accountability. And in the future, like when like, there's going to be other times where you need to take accountability, and you're not going to be able to. And I think you bring up a great point of having the self-reflection to know like where you went wrong. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> I think, and I think in in general in life, like when we hit times of um, hardship and adversity it's easy to blame the other person be like, I mean, for me, for instance, when I, when I was really knee deep in my addiction, I was in jail. I was blaming my parents because the divorce, I was blaming the kids who bullied me in high school and I was blaming, you know, my friends, whatever. And then I remember my cellmate who like was the guy who helped save my life. He looked at me and just told me to stop being a bitch. Oh, is that what he said? How long were you in? A little less than 90 days. Okay. So he was just like, and, and you know, when you're in jail, it's like, this was back in 2008. People, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, he was very, there was no reason for him to sugarcoat anything to me. Like, so I'm in jail. How much worse can my life get? And he just said, like, dude, like, you're sitting here and you've completely, pretty much said, like, you've given up the control from yourself and the power and you've been put it on other people saying, woe is me. He's like, most people will do that. Your parents got divorced. You were this and that in high school and, like, you got yourself into drugs and you're selling drugs. He's like, you decided to, to make the choices to catch yourself. Absolutely here. Right, right. And he's right. like, so you have a choice in how you're going to, you know, respond and move forward with the situation. Do you think that a lot of people, when they're going through divorce, they're going through stuff like that. Do you think they use that as a way to prolong the work they have to do, do on themselves? It's so funny. I can't even believe it. It's the weirdest thing. I think that everything happens for a reason, but my, <laughs> so crazy. My, I believe that you choose everything. I actually wrote, it's funny. You wrote something in one of your memes on your, I've been stalking you on your thing about choosing yeah. and making a choice. I believe that choice is everything. I, my, I, I say you choose to be happy. You, you choose happy. I also believe you choose to be in love. I think that, that in love is in a feeling. I think that in love is a choice that you choose to be in love. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, you got to choose to get up every day and love the person you're with, right? right? Just like you choose your underwear, you choose your socks. You got to choose the person next to you and you got to show up for that person every day, right? I didn't do that in my marriage. I chose to be a great mom. I was crying when I say this. I was the best mom ever. I still am the best mom. I can, I'll fight with anyone all day long. I'm like, right. I am the best mom, but I was a shitty wife, right? But I chose to be a shitty wife. 
Just like my husband chose to be a shitty husband. He was a great dad. He's the best dad. But you make choices every day, right? You do. You choose to go left or right. You choose to buy the drugs. You choose to sell the drugs. Those are choices you're making. So you get that, right? I mean... Yeah. And how does somebody... So I, rem- I remember reading in your book that one of the things... You were, what? <laughs> I'm scared. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, was I remember reading in your book that like, one of the things that... And I'm sure this is very common that your husband would come home after work, right? Yeah. And then like you'd be in the you'd be like bathing your kids and you'd be like, Well, who decided to finally show up or something like that? Yes. Passive aggressive, party of one. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right, right. So like you got to the point of like like resentment being passive aggressive. And I know when you get to that point in a relationship when you become resentful towards someone, it's hard to move out of that. Like what I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. How do you like now looking back, what would you have done differently to get out of that? I just would have been, you know what? I just I was such a bitch. Oh, I just—I <laughs> was such—I was so angry. I was so angry. Dog. I was so. But you know, you have to. I also don't. I, I shared this in the book, but you know, my son—he's on the spectrum. He has um, Asperger's, which he doesn't really anymore. We say he fell off. But I was raising a special needs kid, so I was exhausted and I was tired. And doesn't make it right, but you know, I felt like Mark, my husband, he got to go to work. Right. He got to have adult conversations. He got to get, he got to shower every day. And I was like in baby barf and shit all over me. And I was, I was, you know, so like, but I loved that. I also got to see my kids take their first steps. I got to see my kids talk first. I got to be with my babies every day. Right. So I got to be a stay at home mom. Does that make sense? So all these women and people listening today, like, I didn't realize at the time that those were gifts that I got that Mark didn't get. He didn't get to see my son say mom first. He didn't get to see Jonah take his first steps, right? So it's a give and take. It's a give and take. So I, I, I look at these girls now who come to me and they're like, oh my God, he does nothing around the house. He does nothing. He and their whiny little bitches. And I'm like, really? You know what? You better drugs. Can I be really gross? Really gross? You better fuck your husband and be sweet. Because if you don't start doing what you're, really? Like, I'm sorry, everyone's going to be writing into you saying this girl's crazy. But that's, I tell them when I'm, when I public speak around the country, I'm like, if you don't fuck your husband, somebody else will. It's plain and simple. Yeah. Okay. Like you need to be nice. You need to stop bitching. And guess what? He's working his ass off or she's working whoever, whoever the breadwinner is. You guys are working your butts off all day long. Be kind to each other. Is it that hard to smile at the end of the day and be sweet? I was a total bitch. I'm divorced. Do you want to be where I am? That's the point, right? So that's, the, and I get more phone calls and more emails and more texts and more messages every day with people saying, thank you for writing this book. I'm a better wife. I, my wife is nicer. You know, that's why Oprah wrote it. That's what Oprah said. It's the number, I think it's the number five best relationship book to read with your partner for a, a happy marriage. <laughs> because I lay it out there. I say, look at, this is what you have to do. I don't know. I mean. Well, I think you're right. Because I think at the end of the day, like, you know, relationships. I know I read one of the best books I've ever read on relationships is His Needs, Her Needs. I don't know if you've ever read that. Oh, no. No, no, no. Who wrote that? I forget. But it's really- I'll look it up. Is it talks about the different emotional needs from a man and the, and the different emotional needs from oh, women. Oh, I'm going to read it. Okay. Talk about what's most important for a man and what's most important. Oh, I know. And how they're different, right? Yeah. And then like how like if the man's needs aren't being met, then, you know- he's not going to meet the needs of the woman and vice versa. Right. And it just, it creates all these breakdowns that, because we, we don't, it's like, it's funny. Like we only do like what we know. So for instance, like, you know, the, the book, the five love languages. I love that. But do you like that book? It's a good book. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's pretty generic. Right. But it's yeah. like very, it's very simple. But the, the reason I bring this up is we only know what we know. So if our love languages are acts of service and affirmations, like that's how we're going to, 
deliver right. that to our partners because that's what we know. We that's what we know. Right. But if our partner's love language is you know gifts and words touch or whatever, whatever, words. yeah, words. <laughs> then they're gonna they're not gonna receive that in the same loving right. way that, right. that that I would. So like, and um, I just think these these disconnects happen because people don't have open communication and set like guidelines and like relationship goals because it's just like anything else. If you're building a business, right, and you build a business and you you, you build it for like a few years. And everything's great. And then you just stop working on the business. Your business is going to freaking fail. It's, yeah, it's like a flower. You have to keep watering it, right? A garden. It's the same thing with relationships. If you yeah. like start off and you build a solid relationship, and then all of a sudden you stop watering the plants, yeah. you freaking die. Yeah, seriously. Then you're going to wonder why, what happened. You're like, well. In the garage, like, you're like, what the hell? I feel like you have to have a little meeting. And I tell, or whatever, every Sunday or every Friday night over whatever, you have, you have dinner. But you have to talk about what's what the pros and cons of your week and you have to you have to connect right and i don't think it should be in bed when you're about to whatever watch tv or games of thrones on or you're watching whatever you know like you have to connect and actually say hey what happened this week that was good with you what happened that wasn't great and let's talk let's do pros and cons and every week you need to have that conversation and really legitimately have it and Go, go down the list together. And that's a tip that I tell my, my clients all the time. You've got to connect every week, same time, same day, just like a business meeting. Talk about your marriage and really figure out what's, what's good and what's not. Why do you think people hold back from doing that? Because I mean, I think people like- they Difficult think- conversations. I think people don't like difficult conversations. It's just like the sex talk. No one likes to talk about sex because it's, it's that conversation where like, right? Like who wants to talk about if your sex life is good or not? It's supposed to be good. It's not, whatever. You don't have it. I have friends that say to me, oh, we haven't had sex in six months. It's fine. Okay. No, it ain't. Right. Okay. Like you don't have sex in six months. That's not okay, guys. It's not okay. Everyone's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. If there's a medical problem, if, you know, he's in, in overseas and whatever. I mean, like if he's on a business trip for six, that's okay. I mean, right. But like, if you're not having sex and you're sleeping next to the guy, every night, there's a problem. Yeah. You got to talk about it. <laughs> there's a problem. You know, but those are tough, but there are so many good resources. I mean, my podcast, I have sexologists, I have sex therapists, I have sex gurus, I have sex, I have more sex talk. There's places you can find, right? People to help you. So everyone should be talking about sex. (laughs) I love it. I think it's such a vulnerable topic, right? So ashamed of, right? Like it's it's so crazy. Kind of like, you know, I, I think about like guys who are like, you know, it's like they get really ashamed to talk about like how like, big their junk is right <laughs> it's like a shame like it's like uh like, who cares you should worry about it like you can't we can't control it no you right can't. so yeah. that's another thing i think people get wrong i think is that i've just heard people say that the reason they like to have sex first is because well, what if he's not good or if she's oh. not good when we get married or when we get serious or whatever and the thing is like it's not going to matter oh. nearly as much if you aren't connected right. on other levels, right? Right, yeah, right? I think people like they get that, they think we've come in a society, we're in a society so that, that men are judged by how many women they sleep with, how pretty their wife is, how, how okay. great they are at sports, how much money how they make. Are sports. I'm being serious. Like, I mean, you're right, you're right, you're so right, you're so right. And, and women, you know, they have their own things that, that, that society just them on as well and be how good they look, how skinny they are, how big their butt is, like whatever, right? The boobs. It's all about the boobs. Yeah. It's about the boobs. Like, what's with the boobs, you guys? My God. My poor children. They're like, I mean, the, and the magazines and the, and the, I can't even tell you. It's funny. My, my husband, I fix them up all the time with girls 
and he says to me, Jennifer. How's that, how's that, how's that work? I fixed him up with his last girlfriend. It's awesome. We're such good friends. You would die. I just really would die. But um, I fixed him up with this whatever. And he says to me, if you fix me up with one more girl, they all ask him three things. What does he drive? Where does, what does he do? And where does he live? I'm like, what? Really? What's wrong with these women? What is wrong with you? I'm like, you know what? Where are you meeting these, where are you meeting these, are these clients yours? I don't know. You know what? They're just, I'm done. I'm not fixing. I'm like, you know what? Until I find, that's the thing. I'm really good usually at fixing people up. It's gotta be like an awesome conversation like with your kids. Like, yeah, where, where did daddy meet his like new wife? Like, oh. I do. They know. Oh, they know. There's, we're such, it's so crazy. We are like, the, it's like we're the perfect, I say the un, we're like an unfamily. And my sons will say, why do you talk to dad so often? You're supposed to be divorced. And I'm like, you should be happy. We're such good friends, you two. You know, like you should be, this should be good. But, you know, we're very, it's a very unique situation. So. Okay. I think it's good, right? Because I think like one of the downfalls that the kids see from a divorce is the failed or non-existence of an interaction between the mother and the father, right? Because there's a lot of hate, anger, disconnect, and everything that goes with that. The kids then will grow up seeing that and saying like, this is what a relationship's going to look like. Well, it's like all this stuff, right? But I think what's really cool about what you've done with your with your husband, right? I'll say, husband. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to trademark that. <laughs> Is that you've created this environment where you've kind of got the best of both worlds in I'm a trying. way, right? Like you've got, you got your divorce, right? You're not married to somebody that you didn't like really mesh with or whatever back in the day. And at the same time, you've kept that relationship intact for your kids. I have to, you have to. I feel like that. I'm trying. I tried to, you know, and it takes people saying to me, well, you make it look so easy. It is not. It's work. It's, but relationships are work. Anyone who says, oh, they're supposed to be easy, is so wrong. Relationships are not easy. There's nothing easy. Like I have friends who are like, oh, no, no, it's supposed to be easy. If it's not easy, you should, you should break up with them. I'm like, no, no, no. No, y'all. It is supposed, they're supposed to be work. It's hard. So they mean, right? And I always say to people like, they're like, you know, um, everyone's trying to look for the right partner all the time. I'm like, you should try to be the right partner. You know, you don't look for the right partner. Try to be the right partner. Then if you're the, if you're the right partner for someone, that's how it works, right? If you're trying to be the right partner and she's trying to be the right partner, then you're the right people together as a team, right? Yeah, so. and I think so many people look for the other person to kind of complete them. And it's like not that way that you just add to their <laughs> life, right? Oh, and it's nice. what they already have. Oh, you're so smart. You're going to be a great person. Yeah, and I think people, we have this the image inside of our heads of what a relationship should look like and that that it's always going to be perfect. And I, you know, I don't think it's going to be, obviously relationships aren't perfect, yeah. but they're not, there's also the other side of the spectrum where they're not supposed to be complete chaos all the time. No, 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 right? no. So right. I think people also get that a little wrong. Like, yeah, relationships take work, but they shouldn't be complete chaos. No, God, no. Right. Be, relationships should be easy in the sense that you are doing life with somebody you care about and that you love. Yes. And that you grow together and that your hard, your hardships become our hardships and you work through them together, and then there's not only growth that comes from the relationship, there's growth that comes personally from that as well. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah. You know what else I learned too from a really um, a good, a nice, good colleague of mine, a friend, is that you have to take turns being the one that needs the, the care, right? So you can't both be in need to dishevel at both times. Does that make sense? So like, if you, if you come home from work and you're the one who needs the attention, you get the attention that day. And I have to back off and say, you know what? Doug needs it. He needs me right now. I can't be the one. I can't. You can't both be the ones who need everything at the exact. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Right. So I, I kind of like, 
I, I always was really super, I was always super, I don't want to say needy, but I, it was always me that when I was married, that was, it was always my, my time to be like exhausted or my time to be overwhelmed or I was always had the bad day and I never really let Mark, let my husband have that time. So now, like with my boyfriend now, I'm like, you know, I ask him like, how was your day? And if, if he needs that time, which he never does, he's really, he's always super chill and I'm always the one like blows up, but I want to make sure that we, we get equal time to be not okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause I think like at the end of the day, like we get this, there's this notion that relationships are 50, 50 and they are in a sense that like each person has to own their, is responsible for their hundred percent. Right. Same time, if you think if you think it's just fifty fifty, then like the scorecard yeah. comes in, it's never like fifty. It means nothing's yeah. ever exact. Nothing's ever no. perfect. Right. But also, don't sweat the small stuff too. I, one more thing I you tell yeah. people is that, you know, the nagging women tend to we we nag a lot, oh, yeah. and we get upset about the stupid way we fold a towel or the way that you don't put the dishes away right or the way that you can't. That shit, let it go. That let it go. I've I my friends are like, oh my god, he didn't put away the you know he folded the towel in a diagonal. I'm like. That's going to ruin your marriage. It's going to ruin your marriage. Like, get over that crap, right? Just let that stuff go. That's the small stuff that just, uh, let it go. And that's where it comes back to doing the inner work on yourself, right? Because I think yeah. a lot of times we, we project what we're feeling inside onto our partner, onto people in our yeah. family. Like, if you're not in a good spot mentally, you're going to react and project and deflect over things that, you wouldn't normally do where if the other person's in a better state, they're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, why are you, why are you bitching at me? Because I like shoes. on? <laughs> Cause I didn't put the glass in the top part of the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Or because, you know, or because I didn't like fold the towel, like in, in pours or whatever it is. That was me though. I'm telling you, I was like, I was so, Oh my God. My poor husband, my poor husband. I feel like I, I remember making a phone call. I was at a, in, in Malibu at this like special, it's called camp empowerment, this women's camp. And I was sitting in a, in a lecture or a workshop and I, and I had this like epiphany, like this aha moment of like, oh my God, I was such a bitch. And I got up from this lecture and I called him and I couldn't find a signal. It was all spotty. And I, I remember I was just, just gotten separated. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I remember saying, I'm so sorry. I think you read that in the book. And I was like, yeah. I'm so sorry, Mark. He's like, Jennifer, stop beating yourself up. It's okay. We're going to be all, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. I'm sorry. You know? Now, just, did you ever have any like second guess? Did you ever second guess yourself? Never. Never. Cause I, you know what? I wasn't in love with him anymore. Okay. We weren't in love. We weren't, we weren't, we both knew, we both knew that if we didn't divorce, we would have killed each other. We would have, it would have gotten to the point where it was, the kids would have been affected. So looking back, the woulda, coulda, shoulda is it, it had to be done. I would have never had the relationship now that I have with him if we would have stayed married. Yeah. yeah Cause I think you reach a point of like no return sometimes. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. felt like my parents, for instance, one of the things that was hardest for me to watch was that they didn't speak. They still probably haven't spoken. I mean, maybe, maybe I can maybe count on like one hand how many times they've had like an in-person conversation. I think other than like court oh. and, and stuff over the last 25 years. So it's oh. something different, right? Really? And that was just what was, be I guess, best for them in that situation, right? And I'm, I'm, there's no hard feelings. I'm just saying as I look back, it's hard for you though. It was hard for you. Yeah, it's hard. And I, as I look back, you see what kind of chaos that can create for kids. Because oh. a lot of people will say, like, you're a kid, what do you know? It's like, well, think about like the amount, like you're learning to walk, you're learning to speak, you're learning your mannerisms and your habits and your patterns when you're a kid. And if, if you're at that same time seeing 
two people that are supposed to be caregivers in your life not speak to each other or living in separate houses, what is that going to, what is that going to teach you about relationships or about love? Or about, and, you know, as I've done a lot of reflection through the years, I've seen that even in my own relationships, how that's impacted what my view, even my, my view on what love looks like or what even like some fears and insecurities that I've developed through the years, either within about myself or in relationships. And I think people, they don't want to, they're scared to dive into that part of their past because they think that they're being a wuss or they think that it's over, it's in the past. And I'm not saying you have to go and like get the Legos out and the doll and like start being a kid again. No, what that's I, true. That's true. What you're saying is also true. It's so true. You gotta get, it's like you got to get to the root, right? So I like agree. it's just like anything else. Like if, if you're trying to figure out like where an illness is coming from inside of you, like you got to get to the root cause. Like where did the, where did the illness start? Where did the wound first starts? People always say to me, well, kids are resilient and they'll be fine. But really, are they? Right. So you have to really, I, I want you to, you have to come on my show because I want you to talk about this if you don't mind. Because, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, I just really would love it. Because for me, you know, my people always say to me, oh, you know, it's better for the, really? You know, I, I know my boys are, they're so honest with me and they'll tell me, mom, you know what? It, it, it killed us. You know, it kills it. And the, what they tell me is it hurt them, their dogs. So we had two French bulldogs, but the, it killed them, the dogs, to not be able to come with them. To, we had to get to a long story, but the aftermath for the kids, it's so, it's devastating. It really is devastating. And that's my guilt. The guilt yeah, of what well, I did. Yeah. Life. And I think here's the thing. Here's the, here's the one caveat I'll throw in that I think people miss a lot. Let's talk about getting the root cause, right? So I think like a lot of the problems we deal with now are, are, are stuff we've learned as kids. I think the reason the divorce rate is so high is because people get into relationships for the wrong reasons. And they don't like do the work on themselves to realize, really, really think about what they want, who they are, what they're looking for in a relationship, setting values, goals, expectations, all these things. And so then if they don't do that, they get in a relationship with someone they shouldn't be in a relationship with. Have a kid. And then the, the spark goes bye-bye. They don't, they don't have the common values or anything. Like, you know what? Like, this is worth working out. And then it falls apart. And I think now it's just so much easier just to, to say, I, I got divorced because of my spouse, or I got divorced because of this, which again, if you're in an abusive relationship, like roll, obviously roll out. And obviously there's not, there, there's something to be said that, yeah, I'm sure your spouse had something to do with it. I also think that people just, like I said, at the root cause get in relationships for the wrong reasons. They have sex too early on. They are like doing it to fill a void. They have issue they have mommy and daddy issues that haven't been addressed because it's like you're you're ashamed to talk about like like for me as a guy like how cool would it sound for me to be like yeah i have mommy issues maybe like dude go get your pacifier and sit in the corner like seriously (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time you but you i feel like you're right you're so everything you're saying no one can see because it's on i'm watching you on video i'm shaking my head i'm shaking i'm like yes Yes, keep going, but no one can see me. But you're so all of this is like so right. I just I, I'm so I just don't I don't even know. I just hope to I hope so so strongly that my my boys because my Jonah he's 17. He's like I'm never getting married. I'm never having kids. I'm like Jonah, please, but I'll, you'll be fine. He's like, nope, never doing it. I'm like, okay. But and meanwhile, I have a great relationship with my ex. So that is just goes to show you that he still is like I'm not doing it, right? So yeah, and I think it's and there's two spectrums, right? There's a yeah. spectrum of 
I'm never getting married and they're having kids and they're, they're closed off completely. And you're like, you know what? Like F men, F women. <laughs> and then there's the other side that's like, Oh my God, I need a ring. I need a, I need, I need a, a ring. I need a honeymoon like now, like yesterday. Where's like, my Prince Charming? Where's yeah. it right? I gotta have it. Well, that was me. Like I was the last one of all my girlfriends. I had like bridesmaid dresses in you know, every color with dyeable shoes and that was it. But I need, I wanted kids so bad. I had to have kids, right? So for me, that was my, the, the only thing I needed. I wanted to have kids. I didn't care about the guy. I was like, just find me a guy and need some sperm. Like that was my deal, right? So I think that fills, like people, that fills some sort of void that was empty inside of you was taking yeah. that approach. Like something I you wanted kids. You dissatisfied within yourself though, and you thought kids and a marriage would make your life better. You know what? No, I just, it, it's funny. I remember saying to Mark um, when we were dating, we dated for like six months. That was it. I was like, I just want your sperm. I just want your sperm. And he thought I was kidding. I was like, eh, really not so much kidding. I kind of just want your I really wasn't even sure. I didn't even, I didn't think about him as a husband. I was thinking about him as a baby daddy. Like I just knew he'd make the best dad ever. Right? Right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my pet, my Ted talk really. But like, I just knew he was going to be the best dad. So I wasn't in the right mindset because all my friends were married. I was like, oh, I'll just get married off because I just, I, I probably should, I, I mean, I shouldn't have gotten married. I should never have gotten married. I just should have had kids. You know, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I think like, that'd be important thing to remember. And um, before I ask you your final, final question. Oh, you know, I forgot about that. I think I already answered my final, final question. Okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> the important thing to remember, I think that people, like, and this goes for anything, is that you can't change the past. No, like, Hakuna I, Matata. You can't, you can't change. I couldn't change that I went to jail. You can't change your, if, you know, a failed relationship and a divorce, no. whatever. You can only change how you move forward. And I think. There's a lot of positive ways you can use the past like you are to help other people. And you do. I think the people that, you know, for years and years and years look back on all the mistakes they made and they let that define them. And like, here's the thing. It's like they think because they fucked up, they're a fuck up, right? And, and that's, it's like, no, you just right. fucked up. I mean, right. I mean, really, you just made a mistake. You know, you used too many drugs. You stole too much money. You got in a relationship you shouldn't have gotten in. And you're just now seeing the consequences. And there's, and I think a lot of people, they don't sit in the pain long enough. They don't sit in it. They want to get out of it. They want to put the Band-Aid back on, right? And well, that's the biggest problem with people. That's why the divorce rate, the second time, is even higher. Is it really? Because, oh, yeah, 72%. Because people get remarried. Yeah, people get, second marriages are even higher because people jump into getting remarried. Holy because they're like, well, I'm going to, you know, I, I need to be, I can't be alone. Right, right, right. Like, I can't get it. I can't be alone. I got to do this again. So they get remarried super quick in the first year. And the first relationship out of the gate is the worst. So they're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get married. And then what the fuck? Then they're screwed because then they've done it to their kids twice. Then their poor babies have gone through it again. Right. So now they've made, they have one dad or mom that they, you know, they're divorced. And now they've met a new mom or dad with new kids and a new family and they're divorced again. I'm like, wow. So my last question for you is this. Oh. <laughs> so let's say one of your kids was really going through some hard times. Maybe he's, okay. you know, just in a bad spot. He's going through a major depression. Maybe, you know, he's just kind of like at a point where he doesn't know where he's going in life. And he's going through some, some hard times. What would you tell them and why? Mm. What would you tell them to do? You want to make me cry. Well, both of my boys, to completely, because we're just honest, have gone through, I think, teenagers. They don't, no one gives you, no one gives you a manual about teenagers. They, they really should. You know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. 
my oldest one dealt with his friends using, and he's on the spectrum, and he so he's a rule follower. So I think that he his problem was, what do I do, mom? All my kids are all my friends are using, and I'm I'm not doing it. I don't want to. So he was kind of like ostracized for not using, which is really hard for him because he lost all of his friends because he was a narc, but he wasn't a narc, but they thought he was, right? right, right. It was really hard for him to be the outsider and the outcast because he wasn't using. So that was hard for him. And then my younger one, of course, he's like me in another body. <laughs> so he's like, you know, Mr. Social and Mr. I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. So we had a hard time with him last summer and um, the vaping and the everything and he tells me everything. So that's really hard when your kid comes to you and tells you that he's, that he's trying stuff and doing stuff. And Yeah, the vaping thing is like... It's okay, the scariest, the scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life because we didn't have that shit. I'm 40, how old am I? 47? What the, what is this? I mean, so I, of course, tried to go the scare the shit out of your route. <laughs> so my husband and I sent him every article we could find about death and vaping. Like every article. And we did. We scared the living shit out of him. And it took him getting really, really scared, really scared. And what's it called when you green out? Is that what it's calling? You guys, I don't know. Something don't where know. you, I don't know. You get super, super, really, really super high or something and you can't, you can't, feel, I don't know. Blackout? No, it's called greening out. I think it's called with this video. So he was whatever. And he came home and he's like, I am never doing this again, mom. I couldn't, whatever. I could, my friends were reacting like total whatever. And he's like, I'm so he. You know, I just feel like, I feel like, um, I think my kids are scared to disappoint me. So I think I'm okay. I, you know, I just, they talk to me about everything. So I'm not really answering your question. I'm kind of just giving you a true, I, I just, I'm, well, no, I'm no, I think it's important the way you, you describe that and how you kind of nurtured your kids as they've gone through tough times. Right. And yeah, yeah. I try really hard. hard. Kids are, kids are hard, hard these days. Well, you're hard when you were young. How, when, I mean, you're, you're a baby still. You're 32. I don't know what I tell you. I mean, I just, I just, I wrote an article called 13 Reasons Why Not when that 13 Reasons Why show came out. And I told, I, I sat both my kids down and I'm like, look, I will die if something happens to you. So I said to them, like, I will die. You, I, you will not, <laughs> just, I just, I just, I don't know what I would do. So don't scare your parents. <laughs> well, I won't. You stop scaring your parents. Don't do it. No more do anything with it. <laughs> You're like, I just want to like squeeze your fingers. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's, it's hard. It's hard. Being a parent is really, really hard. I never thought it was going to be this difficult to love something this much. You'll see when you have babies. I know. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, you'll see. I'm really excited to be a dad. Like that's the thing. That's I how I was too. I couldn't wait. I couldn't I'm, really wait. Good. I'm really good with kids and kids like kind of like me because I'm still like a little child inside <laughs> as much as I'm serious and on the show. And you do know, you talk whatever. to schools? Do you go to schools? I have, yeah, I have. To, I've spoken to a few schools. Um, you gotta I, come to ours. Our school would love you. You want to know something that's funny is I spoke to. Uh, you're down by Clemson. I spoke to their football team this summer. Shut up! Shut up! Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, you've got to come to. You've got to come talk to UNC. Anytime you can talk about drugs and addiction and scare the shit out of our kids, we'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. Like I appreciate you coming awesome. on. I think the audience will get a lot out of this. And, oh, I'm uh, glad. I hope so. I hope so. That would be awesome. I'm glad. I hope that this is good. You got to come on my show. I will. I will for sure. We'll talk about it when we, when I get, when we get off. Awesome. Cool. 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 Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, you've listened to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobes. And today you heard a telltale story of someone who's been through hell and back and used her adversity of divorce to not only save herself, uh, but to save a lot of other people who are going through it. So Jennifer Hurwitz, it's been amazing to have you on here. I hope you guys get a lot out of it and look forward to hearing um, what you think.